It's time for the movie rating. Tonight's victim is special effects artist Joe Castro that has done many films such as Wishmaster 3, Wishmaster 4. Oh my god, like tons of things. Hello! How's it going over there? Uh, incredibly cold and incredibly miserable. But by god, you know, that's why we have alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on? What, what's, what have you been rolling on this month or two? Or actually this entire year? What's up? Oh, wow. Well, you know, I have been really busy with a lot of things. But I'd like to give a couple of shout-outs friends before I begin, I want to give a shout out to my good friend Brink Stevens, who has been working with me for many, many years. She's been in all of my films. And I want to give a shout out to my friend Thomas Churchill, who I'm currently working with on a really big project. My partner, Stephen James Escobar, who has an Emmy for editing. Uh, all of us are currently working on a new feature film titled Xenophobia. It's been a while since I've made a feature. It's been about uh, two and a half years since I've made a feature. So I'm kind of trying to reinvent myself with this new feature film titled Xenophobia. And uh, it's going to go back all old-school practical effects into some digital augmentation. I'm trying to go back to, like, the original Close Encounters with a little bit of original Star Wars in it. And it's not really a horror movie. Even though there may be some horrifying things in it, it's strictly like a science fiction film. Now, there's a lot of influence within the, the horror genre, the science. I mean, every every genre has their own influence. But do you think there's such thing as a, a bad influence in horror genre? Oh, wow. Um, all that I have to say about that is um, somewhere on this planet, someone worships a movie that you hate. Somewhere on this planet, you know, someone wants to burn, you know, a DVD that you have in your collection that you love. And movies either entertain the person who is watching them or they don't. There is no good or bad. Yeah, it's just that the fact that it's like when it comes to making the movies, everybody can make a decent horror film. Everybody's influenced by, you know, from other people, but kind of just kind of a carbon copy one horror film after the other after another one another one becomes that one and then it, it sometimes it just becomes a really bad train wreck i see what you're saying yeah i mean i think people think they're being artists and being creative when they're just being plagiarists and copyright infringers i'm gonna be honest with you i'm gonna say this out loud there's some amazing special effects artists out there and there's some amazing sculptors and if i see one more sculpture of a predator mask online someone post trying to get like for it i'm gonna be sick it's like bravo did an amazing job copyright infringing on someone else's concept design not original why should i do something original for one but it comes with the territory if you make something good someone's going to try to make it better especially if people love what you've done you know someone's going to come along and try to do the same thing people in this business either want what you have or they'll be happy doing what you've got they can't have it it's just the nature of the beast do you think the evolution of horror has actually stopped growing as companies continue to manage other revenues in this genre? I think that audiences probably are a little smarter than they've ever been. Horror movies are still good. I think they are still very good. And there's a lot of good product out there. I just think there's more people making horror films, and there shouldn't be. How about that? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's more easily accessible to actually make movies. When I started making movies, my first feature film was shot on 35mm Panavision. That was done in 1993. At that time, people all over the web, they, they couldn't make a movie. They couldn't get a Panavision camera. They couldn't buy 35mm film stock. They couldn't even afford to have it developed. And nowadays, everything's digital, and you have these 4K iPhones. Everybody thinks they're a director. Basically, I believe the market is just flooded with a lot of nonsense. And it's hard to weed through all the nonsense. It's the good stuff, but there is a lot of good stuff out there. It's just harder to find nowadays because there's more stuff to look through. It's like going on to iTunes and trying to find a good song. There's so much of it. It's almost nearly impossible. Some of these kids, they make a 90-minute movie and they, they basically give their movie away to one of these distributors and they put it up on Amazon Prime and they see two nickels from it and they think they've made a movie. Now, back in the day, I made a movie called Terror 2 
iTunes. It's a franchise, and uh, we have four, we have three sequels to the original right now. And the first film I made for twenty three hundred dollars. That right on the shelf in Blockbuster, right next to Pirates of the Caribbean or whatever big Blockbuster movie had come out that year. It moved fifty thousand units in the first two weeks. It was the most successful micro budget movie that year in the home media market and the video stores. Those days are long gone. Can't do that anymore. You know, Blockbuster had four copies of it on DVD and four copies of it on VHS in every store. And that was just Blockbuster. Then there was Hollywood Video, Best Buy, Walmart, Kmart, and Netflix. And then that doesn't include all the foreign territories. Yeah, I mean, making a move for $2,300 today, people don't care how much you make it for. They just want to be entertained. If it's not care if it's good or bad, they want to be entertained. Yeah, there's a big difference between filming and then just sticking it on YouTube or the Snapchat or whatever the crap they got right. <laughs> going on now, man. Right. The thing is, right. a lot of filmmakers too out there are they have the right idea, but having to place their product. Yes, I'm sorry, I hate to use the product term, but I mean, you want to make money, you want to get money out of it, but you still want to get your vision out there. But having to do that, a lot of times they'll place it on, like you mentioned, on these websites that simply will just sell for an X amount of dollars. They're just front stores, guys. That's all they are. It's no different than you making merchandise for your band shirts and you're sticking on a, on a uh, cheap looking website just so you. You can get your fans to buy, you know, a ten dollar shirt or whatever. That's all it is. You're not going to generate revenue from that one site, man. I don't really know much about that. I, I've always had a distributor or had some sort of plan of attack before I go out into the world of my product. But I don't post anything on YouTube. You know, I don't see any way of generating money from that, and I, I never have. I never used that. I know there are some of these YouTubers that have advertisements that play on the side of their channel or whatever and just generate money, whatever. That's not something that I do. You know, I'm strictly an artist, special effects artist, and a, a director, and I make features and help other people make their movies. A couple of other things I'd like to talk about, and most, most people don't know this, but I have the Guinness Book of World Record for the highest body count in a slasher movie. It's a movie titled The Summer of Massacre, and it starts Brink Steven, Nick Principe from Late to Rest, and a key hall star of the sci-fi television series Monster Man. All three of them are in the film. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I made the film when I was in visual effects school in Burbank, California. So the computer graphics in the film are not up to par. A lot of people would even say it's bad, but it's very stylized. It was the most illegally downloaded movie for two months in a row when it was first released. It, I mean, we just could not take it down off of YouTube fast enough. It would go up every day. People were sharing it everywhere. It got a lot of love and it got a lot of hate because uh, most of the kills are in the film are digital and I was going to school at the time and I was learning digital effects. So I used this new tool to do this huge high body count and it really worked well. It won so many awards, you know, and then it started against the whole world record. So I can't complain, even though people give it a, give it a lot of uh, a, a lot of lip. Very proud of the movie. Well, I mean, it's not everybody's taste. I mean, there are such things as, I mean, there's so many, like, sub-genres of the genres of it than horror. Like, you know, you got gore porn, you got all this other stuff. Right. I mean, it's not for everybody. I mean, it's it's a very, very simple thing. If you don't like it, just shut it off. It's, it's really simple. You don't have to go on all these forums and start, you know, slanderizing, you know, this artist for taking their vision out. I mean, if you don't like how he or she has done this in this particular way, you can simply go to a different genre or different film that maybe is more your liking, man. Uh, if only we were not human and we could abide by that rule, the world would be a much nicer place, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do want to talk a little bit about the new Friday Thirteenth Vengeance movie that I am getting ready to work on on set. You know, I want to give a shout out to Don Shell and Jason Brooks for bringing me on the film. Don Shell is one of the executive producers uh, of the film, and uh, Jason Brooks plays uh, Jason in the film. And I really am not at liberty to go into any details about the special effects I'm creating. I just want to say that I'm, I'm 
I am doing one really cool special death for the movie. Um, and I'm going to be helping out on, on the blood in some of the other scenes in the film. But very honored to be associated in some way with the uh, with the franchise. Combat can dream come true. Deeply honored for that. But I put that out there and let everybody know that I'm humble and I'm going to do my very best to, um, to ensure that the effects that uh, I make are true to the franchise and are worthy of a Friday 13th kill. Yes, those guys are awesome, and hopefully this. Hope I'm so anxious to see this project out there. Like every every day, it's like, come on, can we get like another one more trailer? Just one more trailer, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, a really good group of people working on the film. Should be pretty exciting. Yeah. Definitely look forward to see more. How how long are you on this project for? Like like a month or a couple of days, or weeks? I see, I see. So I, well, I was contacted about a couple months ago to be a part of the project, and I just started creating special effects this past week. On Tuesday, I'll be uh, up uh, in the middle of March, middle to end of March, working on the film, shooting up in Seattle. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably be on set for probably anywhere from five to ten days. So, how do you keep yourself recognizable in in this particular genre? Now that it's more modernized, now it's more in control, so to speak. I mean, now you got all these extra restrictions and rules and licenses and all this crap. I mean, how do you keep your art recognizable with and still keep around in this business? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there are great artists out there, but the real trick be a great team player. And most artists have huge egos, and they don't know how to separate the two. In fact, they don't even have any concept there's a difference. And so what I've managed to do over the years is to go from having this dream or this idea of being this amazing special effects artist to being basically a humble servant the movies and the people that I work for. And with that attitude, my career has blossomed into what it is yeah, ego is, is is terrible when it comes ego, to that, man. Ego is not my amigo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, nothing will kill someone's career faster than their ego. I mean, look what happened to uh, that, that actor from Empire. His ego got in the way of his sanity. The problem is, is, like, you know, there's a concept, there's ego, but ego is simply... The, the one thing you have to eliminate completely, no matter what. Because when you got a big ego like that, first of all... You may be really good at what you do, and everybody sees that, but then when you got that big ego going on, it, it's not going to go well. You decide you think you're going to have the world. I mean, you can get the world, but that's not how you, you get it, man. And that's definitely not the, the uh, not from an artistic way either. I uh, also want to quickly give a shout-out to Justin Seaman from The Barn, the director of The Barn. So Justin has honored me, the job, the task, the challenge of creating the three new villains for the film. They're not new villains, they're just... They're the same villains from the previous film, but I'm going to be creating an updated version of them for the sequel for The Barn 2. And I've been working with Justin now for a little over a month, and I'm definitely going to be a fun one for sure. you got to watch out for The Barn 2. Finish the movie with Michael J. Epstein and his producing crew titled Half Cock. It's going to be a really bloody, fun film. i got a couple of Dave Sterling movies coming out this year. Okay, here's my all-time favorite title so far of movies I've worked on. It's called... Vampire Campfire. Fun? No? Yes? <laughs> well, that's, that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> Vampire Campfire. I have, to, I have to think about it for a second. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's not the best film, but I love the title, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't care how big a movie is, if you're not having fun making the movie, what the hell are you doing? Because people that have fun making movies and they're having fun on set comes through the actual craft and on screen. And uh, we had a blast making that movie. So many good people on set. Sure, it'll be a movie that comes and goes and no one sees. Or knock on wood, maybe not. Maybe it'll turn into a big cult hit. But it's called 
fire campfire. Yeah, I did some pretty pretty bloody stuff in it. It's gonna be fun. I uh, I, I want to give a shout out to Todd Sheik and his people. Todd honored me with the challenge of creating a female werewolf transformation in Bone Hill Road. I didn't make all the werewolves. I didn't do any of the gore. I strictly did uh, the female werewolf transformation at the end of the film. And fun. It was a lot of fun. And I got a giant new movie family while working with Todd and all his people. And I love working with those guys. I think we have to talk about Herschel Gordon Lewis. Here it goes. Look, Herschel Gordon Lewis, or H.G. Lewis, as most people know him, is the godfather of gore. And his name needs to never be forgotten. This man is solely responsible for the creation of all slasher splatter movies. He directed a movie titled Blood Feast back in 1963, the first exploited color red blood in the motion picture industry. In fact, at that time, it was so taboo to put red blood in movies that his movie was considered pornographic, even though there was no pornography in the film. He wrote it, directed it, shot it, edited, created all the music for it, and did all the special effects for his movie. Anyways, my point is, is that Every Hollywood slasher movie that's ever been made has borrowed in homage to or directly stolen from his film. This, he created the storyline of a deranged killer stalks innocent victims one by one, killing each one in a gruesome death, only to be killed at, by the hands of the hero or the heroine of the movie in the climax of the film, and then even more horrific death. Does that storyline sound familiar? It certainly does. Yeah, by thirteen. Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, you know, you name it, Hellraiser, all of them. Don't need to never forget who that, what, what that man did for the business. You know, he died two years ago. He was one of my good friends. And I, I had the honor of being the special effects for the sequel to Blood Feast. Back in 2002, he made a movie titled Blood Feast 2. I think it was called All You Can Eat. Basically, I met him on set, the first time I ever met him on set. He moved to Louisiana where they were making the film. And I brought all my special effects there to work with him. And we instantly became friends on set. You know, he... He showed me how to make my gore even gorier. He honored me with the secret formula for his original blood from the original 1963 film. So I am the basically the sole person that knows the actual blood formula from the original Blood Feast movie. What I'd like to do is I'd like to take a small bottle of it set in, a, in like a little like a little flask, kind of like holding water, and bless the set when when I go to set when I do a bloody scene. You know, let everybody know this is Herschel Gordon to his blood to honor that man. That man. Hollywood special effects in their movies. There you have it, everybody. Joe Castro.